filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster You guys know, and by you guys, I mean both Adam, not Ben, who's not here, but he knows as well, uh, and all of you listeners. I've been watching a lot of soccer for a very long time, and I've become very accustomed to certain things signaling that weirdness is on the way. Um, And usually midweek games in MLS are already at a heightened weirdness level. Um, And then if you throw in a weather delay, a weather delay is like the greatest signal that weirdness is coming in. Lightning literally striking. Yeah. And so in this case, in Toronto, on a night that appeared otherwise fairly clear during the the broadcast, it looked like there were were patchy clouds, but not a storm of any kind. Um, And yet, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before the game, uh, lightning strike in the area um, causes it to be delayed by 15 minutes. And that's immediately like it's a midweek game that is being delayed. Uh, You're in for something bizarre. And uh, over the years, that's a lesson that I have learned over and over again. Uh, this is also why Open Cup games tend to be very strange, um, especially if you go out to the Soccerplex, which has its own weather pattern, and it often ends up delayed. Uh, so, yeah, those are the two forces, I think, that are – if those two things happen, you know something strange is about to happen. And, uh, well, I guess we have a strange game to talk about. Yeah, this one was especially Open Cup-like because of the the squad rotation we saw, and we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, a record was broken. A record fell in this game. <laughs> a silly record. <laughs> a very silly record. Uh, 35 shots without a goal, the most ever for a team in MLS. Um, anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and weird-ish podcast i'm adam taylor he's jason anderson ben bromley has the night off um for a well-deserved break he's still editing this episode so if you hear my voice spliced into saying weird things that are very nice about ben um just assume that was his doing um we're here to talk about dc united uh they had a scoreless draw with toronto fc on wednesday night and we're going to talk about that when and then in the second segment, we'll have our good friend, Alicia Tolar, on to talk about the Houston Dynamo, whom DC United will be visiting Saturday night, 8.30 Eastern Time. Watch it on Flow Sports or ESPN Plus if you live outside the blackout radius that is the immediate DMV. And Delaware, I understand. I don't know. I don't understand these things. Anyway, before we do anything, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm actually having my second drink of the night. Um, because of the volume of games lately, um, which means we're probably in for a weird show. It could be, uh, it's like there are signals of weird games. Having drinks before the show tends to make the show weirder. Um, so earlier at dinner, I made myself a Paloma the way I've been making them, which is with a little splash of grapefruit juice to make it a little more grapefruit forward. Um, this one is a little different, uh, because I realized that if I keep making them with the grapefruit soda, I'm just drinking a bunch of soda, which is bad for my health. Um, 
bad for everyone's health. Don't drink soda if you don't have to. Um, sometimes, and by have to, I mean want to. Yeah. Just don't drink too much. Um, soda water is fine, though, right? Club soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not an actual sugary soda, or even you know, diet coke. Who knows what um, the artificial sweetener is going to turn into uh, when you get old? Probably rot your brain. Um, but in any case, to get away from making a Paloma with another grapefruit soda, because I'd already had one, um, I added more grapefruit juice and just added some uh, polar ruby red grapefruit flavored seltzer. Um, and it actually, it's worked out. Pretty, I mean, it's not as good, but it's pretty good. Nice. I I got horribly lazy. Um, well, horribly lazy. I grabbed a bottle and poured it. And tonight that bottle was... Uh, Again, I don't know how to pronounce it. Tomatin, tomatin, uh, single malt scotch uh, from the Highlands. Twelve-year-old. Uh, it's it's pretty good. M- moderately peaty, um, decent smoke. It's very drinkable, um, but but has a lot of the elements of scotch that you're looking for. It's not a totally entry level, barely scotch kind of thing, but it's it's a very accessible, um, easy drinking kind of scotch, which is more my speed honestly, than, than some of the really funky stuff that that's out there. So mm. good stuff. And if you remember, this was the, the box that was regifted or the bottle that was regifted to me from, because somebody, a friend of mine received it who doesn't drink scotch. And it was just like, thank you for loaning me a DVD. Thank you for having DVDs. Here's a bottle of scotch. <laughs> Basically. Uh, it worked out really well for it's me. It's a worthwhile trade. Yeah, absolutely. And I got the DVD back too. Like, Nice. It's great. Um, let's talk about this this weird ass game <laughs> on Wednesday. Uh, it was the throwback in a way, um, and it it was effective in a way. I guess Ben Olson made seven changes from Sunday's game and just parked the damn bus at BMO Field to grab a point and take it away, holding Toronto FC to a scoreless draw despite the Reds' thirty five shots. Can I can I offer something? I just pulled up uh, MLS's box score, which has Opta data, and they have officially changed that to 36 shots. 36 shots. Breaking <laughs> news here on, on Filibuster. The record you thought existed has been broken by itself. Um, yeah. That's DC a- had three shots. <laughs> oh, three and shots. as we're talking, uh, Carly Lloyd just scored for the USA. If you, you know, spoiler, sorry, Jason, if you're not watching this friendly. It's fine. It's a friendly. <laughs> uh, yeah, not a pretty game by by any stretch. Definitely a midweek game in which one team rotated seven players. And uh, but but as I said in the intro, it was, it was effective um, despite giving up 35 shots. N- only one of them was really a a truly good chance. The rest of them were speculative shots from outside the box uh, shots at difficult angles that most of them were contested. It was a lot like the, the old school and you, you hate the term even more than I do, but Benny ball um, despite kind of being played out of a different formation. It was, it was definitely that, that grit and, you know, tough defense, low block and look for a counter if you can, but if you can't, that's fine too. Cause we're just here to ride out the storm. Yeah. The, I mean, the idea it's interesting um, going from the comments the players gave on Sunday night, where 
I think Ariola and Canals both mentioned the prospect of going in and getting out in front early. Um, they said, we've been good at that. We know it's a good, a good method for us in road games. I mean, it's a good method in any soccer game to get out in front early. Um, but they've been good at it. That's the, the main point is that they've been effective at doing that. And we saw that in the first five minutes. Um, I would have liked to see a better replay angle on the Quincy Ameriqua goal because I'm not con- I'm not convinced that a goal scoring part of his body was offside. Um, I think his like his arms might have been offside or his like upper back, um, but not much more than that. Um, and before that, we get you know Zoltan Stieber uh, manufacturing a shooting opportunity for the first time all season um, for himself. I mean that was um, that was most of what he did in that game was that play. Yes, uh, that and, and the corner that Ameriqua. Um, All right, that's true. Up. But you know, the good the, you could see there was a real attempt to try and go jump on TFC. You know, catch them by surprise and say, "Oh, we we're sending out our B team. It's going to be a bunker," and then go get them anyway. It's just that after five minutes, TFC adjusted to that, started having possession, and then the next eighty-five minutes were the exact same thing over and over again. <laughs> um, it was a time is, loop game. Yeah, it's bizarre. And and I will say this. I mean, it's not fun. None of us get into soccer to watch a team just defend for that long by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to play this style uh, for a game or, or, you know, I don't think Ben Olsen set out to concede 36 shots. I think he wanted this to be a, um, you know, a more of a defend and counter rather than just defend approach. Um, and TFC to their credit, kept the ball well enough that they kept, it kept the ball and kept winning the ball back, um, forcing some bad passes out of, um, Durkin and canal so that they kept winning the ball and just coming back down DC's throat over and over again. Um, but if you are going to be stuck in that scenario where the other team won't let you out and is just going to keep hammering away and, and, you know, surrounding, you know, setting up shop on the outside zero box, this is the way to do it. Um, because like, like Adam said, uh, DC gave up one, one chance of any real significance. And then a couple little half chances. Um, I would argue that, um, the closest either team came to scoring, uh, the top two would be the Hamilton shot off the crossbar and Ameriqua getting his goal called back for offside. And that's it. Like there's a big drop off in chance quality. I know, I saw one of the expected goals charts had a different one that was in their minds, very big, but it. I, th- I think the eyeball test would have disagree with that assessment um, from at least the one that I saw. I think it, that was the um, one that American soccer analysis had, um, which wasn't the Hamilton chance. They had one that was a, a allegedly a huge chance. I don't think it was. Um, Hamid had to came up, come out once uh, off his line to um, rob Jordan Hamilton of any shooting time on a Pozuelo pass in the first half. And that was it. Uh, TFC took 36 shots and like 33 of them were bad. They, this was like forcing, it was like forcing, if this is a, you know, if this is basketball, this is like forcing the other team to keep taking, uh, three pointers that are contested and also are like two full steps beyond the three point arc over and over again. Um, it means you're defending well, it, you might not be doing anything else, but you're defending well. I mentioned that this was a new formation. Um, a five, three, two really with three true defensive midfielders in there. Uh, no real attacking midfielder playing um, 
in the 10 spot. Stever is an attacking midfielder, but he was playing kind of as a second forward uh, with Quincy Ameriqua to the extent that they were playing with each other, which they were pretty far apart for a lot of this game. Um, but three center backs, Akeem Ward getting his, his first start for United uh, on, on the right side. And um, Ulysses Segura on, on the left, I think it was. Um, it, it was it was definitely a formation that was built to to do exactly what it did, um, and it, some of the changes were were forced, or I would I would say a lot of them were forced by uh, the the schedule makers. I, I saw at least one commenter on Black and Red United refer to this as Ben Olsen just giving the MLS schedule makers a middle finger, saying, "You want us to run out starters on this? No, um, we're not going to kill our guys for for this because this." travel schedule i think we talked about it on the last show of having two games or two days between games uh, back to back to back while traveling from dc to toronto to houston is just ridiculous and and wayne rooney has you know been very uh you know business-like about it but it that but, it's still I mean, ridiculous business like to the media um, yeah, that's true. Because I, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think in that moment, Rooney was speaking more uh, in a leader, just trying to remove any excuses. Because once you start having excuses, it starts to become easier to let up. And if DC had let up in this game, they probably concede a goal at some point. Um, you know, it's an interesting contrast. And maybe, you know, some teams, you know, some organizations will have that where um, you might have two prominent leaders and one can make that public statement like, oh, um, we, we don't care about the difficulties, no excuses. But then meanwhile, you can still have someone else in your organization apply pressure on the league to avoid that, which would be Ben Olsen mm-hmm. saying this is, uh, I believe the term uh, was silly, silly scheduling. And it was. There's no good reason to do a Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday in this league. Um, the Dynamo do have the same stadium as the Houston Dash, and both of those teams are home this weekend. But the Dash could easily have played Saturday instead of Sunday. You could just have flipped those games, for example. Um, it doesn't have to be to an extent where DC more or less has to choose between either risking injury or at least just having a team that's too tired to compete, which we've seen, you know, we saw last year in that loss to the Union you send out a team that's too tired to compete in MLS, you will lose and look bad doing it. Um, you know, yeah, what's it, funny too, is the dynamo played on Wednesday too. They didn't yeah. play on Sunday. They played on Saturday. So they have, they have one more day of rest coming into the midweek game. But after that, they're on the same schedule as DC United. Um, I don't know if they were home on Wednesday or not. So were, I'm not sure. So, so they're not traveling. They have that to their advantage. Yeah. But they are but, playing in Houston for both of those games. Yeah. Which it's is quite uh, hot there. Yeah. I, I mean, we're kind of getting off. I, I think the, the forecast is like low 80s and humid, but not like humid for Houston. Um, so in a way, it's getting off lightly, but it's also it's going to be rough. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult game to deal with because I think DC's only had one particularly warm game this year. Um, so, yeah, that we that had that's an, a little bit of an MLS uh, tradition almost is that every team in their first warm weather game or or high humidity game 
of the year. It always seems like teams need to like go through it one time before they start to be a, be a, a little bit better at it. Um, right. I know what's happened here where DC's first warm weather game is often, I mean, you know, go back to last year, they played at Orlando and they ran out of gas against a team that was down a man. Um, so we've seen this happen a bunch. It's tough to play in the humidity. It's tough to relearn how to deal with that. You know, the, the stuff that you have to do to change your way of playing so that you're better in those conditions. Um, but yeah, this, this game, one of these two games should not have happened, uh, when they did. Um, and, you know, to go back to the formation, um, I know we're jumping around here, um, but it, you know, it's a midweek podcast. You're going to have to deal with some weirdness from us. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, what the important thing I take away from this is I don't think Olsen is nearly as caught up in the specifics of his formation, uh, as we might be, or we might've previously thought, um, this is a situation where he could have easily said, um, let's have Stieber play in the midfield as well and play like a five, four, one diamond. That's everyone's natural position. Um, but here I think it's much more like, well, you know, is Stieber a forward? Is he, a, is he an attacking midfielder? It's probably not going to be too much of a difference. So who cares? Um, and right. we've seen, we've seen Lucho in that kind of role as well, where it's like, well, is he, is he actually underneath Rooney or is he up top with Rooney? Uh, you know, no big deal. As long as he's in the right positions, on the defensive side of the ball, we're not going to get worried too much about um, the attacking where side. he decides to roam. Yeah. And I think that was Stieber's job in this formation. Um, we got more out of him than we had. He, I mean, there was that also that play in the second half where he very nearly broke through and he was flagged for offside, which again was a, a narrow call. Um, yeah. Now, I don't, I don't think he was going to, if he had, if the flag had stayed down, I think Mavinga was going to catch up to him anyway, because Mavinga is much faster than Zoltan Stieber. Um, but it still could have been an interesting ch- chance in that moment. Um, but I do think that for Stieber, I, I, as I, I think I've said on here once or twice now, I think it, the problem for him in part is that there are too many chefs in the kitchen when everyone's available. Um, and he has to play a role where he's not necessarily at the center of the attacks. He's more of a peripheral figure. And in this, you know, with this lineup on the field, he was going to be the creative spark. It was going to be him or like Quincy Ameriqua winning the ball off of somebody with his hustle and causing something that way. Uh, that was about it. Um, and he looked a little better than he has. So um, good news. We found a way to get something out of him. Bad news. I mean, we're probably never going to see this lineup for ever again. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's funny. There are players who are a lot better when they can kind of fade into the background a little bit. You think mm-hmm. of Darlington Nagby, who when he, at his best, he's almost invisible. Like, he he makes everyone around him better when he's at his best, but he's not doing anything spectacular. When he has to do spectacular things, he disappears as well. Um, and then you have the opposite of that. You have guys who are at their best when they need to be the best player out there. And that's mm-hmm. that might be what Zoltan Stieber is. It was what Fabiana Spindola was as yeah. well. Um, when he had to be the best player, that was when he he shined the yeah. most. Um, when he had to play alongside Henri, he was immediately pretty pretty ineffective. That's how he ended up here. Yeah. So it's different players, you know, need different things to to shine. And Steeper, you know, there are chances for him to get that when the squad has to rotate. But he 
obviously hasn't been great this year and hopefully he can find a way to be a complimentary piece off the bench for, for this team. Um, the whole idea of this squad rotation in this one, besides keeping players alive, um, there's a Wayne Rooney, Rooney quote after the game um, that basically says this, this point means a lot less if we don't get three in Houston. Um, so keeping players alive and then also getting the win in Houston seems to be the, the target, not just getting a point, getting a result down there, but actually bringing home three points from that. So four points from this road trip. And I like that mentality a lot. And it, it goes to what you said about Rooney, you know, kind of providing a, a no excuses sort of leadership. Like these are our goals and we need to accomplish them. And there's no reason we, sh- we won't. Um, and those are the standards of this team now. Um, didn't used to be the case. Um, but the standards are lifted now the, the expectation is to be trying to win the Eastern conference, not just get into the playoffs. And one of the things you've got to do is in tough circumstances, go find a win against a good team. So go to Houston who has what 20 points on the year. They're not too far. I think they've got 20 points and they're, they've got two points a game right now. They're on 20 right. points from 10 games, which right. is three fewer than United have played. Yeah, so that's a really good team that's been doing a really good job all season long, and they haven't lost their five wins, two draws, zero losses at home, and yet this is the standard DC is striving to meet, is to go to Houston and say, we expect to win this game in Houston, even on short rest, even with the heat, you know, it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to win, and that's that's the expectation now. Is It's not just a, it will sure would be nice to go and get a result in Houston. It's, we're going to win. That's what we're trying to do here. I do have a question about the lineup going into Houston before we we get out, but I just want to go back and talk about how weird this game was in Toronto. 36 shots. That's so, like... It, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm still hung up on it. I, I think uh, there was a, a little note from after the game where Greg Vanny, it wasn't even him complaining about DC's approach or anything like that. It was like, yeah, I guess we need some more cutting edge uh, to our attack Um, because that's what it comes down to is that uh, they had their wing backs pushed into the box. They had their attacking players pushed into the box. There are two um, uh, right center and left center backs for pushing up as part of, you know, to support the attack as like a second layer. Um, it was a lot of times like the camera had almost everybody in the game in, in mm-hmm. frame uh, yeah. outside of um, Quentin Westberg and uh, Drew Moore um, for a lot of the game. Those are the only two guys you couldn't see. Everyone else was inside the the box on your screen, which is not common. That doesn't happen a lot. And it's just sort of a silly thing that um, it's not a good thing. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nice for DC that they got through it. Um, but it's also a kind of thing where it's like, let's not do that again. If we don't, I mean, maybe, you know, I was going to say second leg in the playoffs, but we don't do those anymore now. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe second half of a playoff game with a lead, uh, this might come in handy. Um, I will say, I thought Jalen Robinson had a pretty good game given that yeah. uh, he had to win a lot of headers and, and beat, you know, win some physical challenges. And yeah, that's- he is much shorter than Donovan Pines, which is not to say that he's necessarily short. Everyone is much shorter than Donovan Pines, but putting him in the middle of that back five was mm-hmm. not necessarily what I expected. Um, before I saw the lineup graphic, when I just saw it listed, I was like, okay, so Robinson's going to be playing fullback and, 
where does McCann fit in? And I was, I was trying to figure all this out. And it was, it was interesting to see Segura on the outside and McCann playing defensive midfield. And I think that actually um, is a, is a good lead in to, to this Houston game because uh, we know junior Marino is out of the country. His father passed away and our thoughts are with, with junior and his family. Um, but it, it raises the question who's going to start next to, Russell Knaus because Chris Durkin is also away now with the under 20 national team. Uh, he left from Toronto to join camp is my understanding. So is McCann the choice next to Knaus against Houston? Uh, I guess it really depends on whether um, Moreno rejoins the team. Yeah. Uh, in time uh, if Moreno not. can get back, um, that's one thing, but yeah, assuming but he's know. gone. Yeah. Um, Assuming he's gone, I mean, it could be. Um, I, I don't know that Segura is necessarily cut out for that against Houston, but then I also wonder about McCann's mobility and ability mm-hmm. to defend on the turn against Houston because they have so much speed. So um, DC is in a real tough spot. Uh, I don't think they would. I think they would prefer not to have to play Canals um, for a third time in this many days either, um, yeah. because he's just coming back from a knee injury. But again. You know, the schedule has put them in a really difficult spot. It might be Canals and Ariola um, as well. I don't know. Uh, I guess that's until we hear whether Moreno definitely is or is not going to be there. Um, if he's not going to be there, who knows? Well, we'll find out come uh, Saturday night. And... In, in the coming hours. Yes. <laughs> Jeez, this week. This week, man, on the field, off the field in life. It's just this week is unbelievable. Uh, it, it won't quit no matter how much we want it to. Anyway, before I go off on some kind of existential rant, which I'm pretty sure I gave to Jason before we started the show, uh, we're going to call that a segment and we will be right back with our friend Alicia Tolar from Dynamo Theory. So please stick around. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... Oh, you are. I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United will be in Houston this Saturday to face the Dynamo. Despite the 
Dynamo being fourth place right now in the West, they are actually, we, we mentioned it in the last segment, uh, pretty darn good this year. Two points a game, uh, 20 points from their 10 games. Alicia Tolar, our old friend, is back on the show, and we're very happy about that. She manages Dynamo Theory on SB Nation, Black and Red United's sister site. And uh, she's here to help us preview this one and and probably force me into hearing lots of talk about goats. So, Alicia, welcome back. Hi, my goat friends. How are you? Uh, that was for Jason, right? <laughs> no, it was for you, King. Which, uh, by the way, is what I told him when I messaged him that you hadn't gotten back to me about a time. I said <laughs> that the Goat King had not gotten back to me. So. I, you know, I get you're to welcome. be king of something at least. Yeah, goat, your favorite thing. <laughs> you're such a good friend, Alicia. You get me so, so much. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? Um, cough syrup. <laughs> I have a really bad cold. So I am drinking cough syrup with codeine. I think that counts, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything counts. I, I very nearly just went with water tonight. Um, but um, opted for, for something stronger at the last I minute. I would rather be drinking beer, but, you know. Trying to be good-ish. So. so I mentioned how good the Dynamo have been. Are they really two points a game good? Are they going to keep that? Is there any chance they keep that pace up for the year? I mean, I sure hope so. Um, <laughs> they are definitely a lot better than last year. They finally did what they needed to do and worked on their defense. So while they aren't closing out teams, they are doing a better job um, not losing games at the end. Um, the game against Portland this weekend, notwithstanding, or this week on Wednesday. Um, so I I don't know that they will keep quite that high of a rate. Um, it also depends on what happens this summer. Um, if they lose, you know, the lease or any of those guys up top, that could obviously change things. Um, I think if everyone stays there, they are definitely looking at finishing in the playoffs. I, where does this team rate um, in in Dynamo history? I guess are they the best that you've seen since those MLS Cup teams from the the early Dynamo years? So I wasn't a fan when they won the cups. So. I have to go with this is probably the best team I've seen. I came in right at the tail end of all that. So I think this has probably been the best team. They've the most complete team that I think they've ever had. <coughs> all right. You, you mentioned the attack, Albert, Elise, um, Mauro Minotas are kind of the headliners there. The attack seems to go through them. What, what is their game about? What is their attack all about? I mean, it's similar to what it was last year. You know, it's all about the speed and the counterattack. Um, Elise has really kicked it into another gear <laughs> this year. I think as good as he was last year, he's even better this year. Um, the biggest problem so far has been him having guys that can keep up with him to help him make plays once he gets down in front of goal. Um, he's kind of been on his own some with not having help once he gets down there. Um, so, Alicia, we've because of DC United scoring a bunch of set piece goals, we've been talking about that side of things a lot. Um, I noticed I've been looking up 
some some stats uh, ahead of this game because we've got so many games to cover here that I haven't had time to look at the Dynamo (laughs) with my own eyes extensively. Um, But one thing that jumped out at me was that I saw some data that said that they are basically the worst team at winning aerial battles in the entire league, but it also looks like they just don't give up any set piece goals. Um, Is there any particular secret behind that? Or is it just sort of uh, they're smart, plugged in and tough, or, or is there something more that Wilmer Cabrera has them doing? Um, I think in terms of not giving them up, it kind of goes back to finally improving the defense. Um, and I think in terms of them actually scoring on set piece goals, it's just not the priority that the counterattack is. Um, I say that even though they scored off of a corner kick (laughs) against Portland. Mm. Um, so they've had a little bit of success with it, but not, you know, run a play has really been their bread and butter this season. Uh, you've got a few newcomers that have come in. Um, Kiki Struna was uh, one that I, I, th- I saw some skepticism uh, in the off season uh, as to whether he was going to actually be able to do the job or not. But um, so far, if anything, it looks like um, uh, Figueroa ended up winning a job uh a few weeks ago, whereas Struna has stayed in, he didn't, uh, he hasn't been chased out yet. Um, how do you think he's done so far? I think he's done really well so far. Um, he's definitely helped to be consistent on that back line. Mm. Um, obviously Beasley has been out, um, with his knee injury. Um, and you know, the other center back as his partner has kind of changed around, Um, throughout some games. So I think he's really been a good um, focal point and center point to help anchor that back line Mm -hmm. um, and bring in, um, you know, some experience um, from overseas in, into the back line that we haven't seen in the past. Uh, You mentioned Beasley's injury. I know he just, made his first start against Portland. Um, Do you think he's able to bounce back this quickly and play another game? Or do you think they might have to um, consider rotating him out? Okay. Number one, he's not a human. He's a robot. So he can do whatever (laughs) he wants to do. Okay. That man is not human. Um, I would guess that since um, Lundquist has played pretty well when he was subbing in um, while Beasley was out, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him start again. I mean, again, that said, I Beasley is just such not a normal human being. <laughs> like, he very well could play this weekend. I mean, I think it would be smarter to rest him. But what I think we should do and what Wilmer does is not always the same thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also I've been kind of curious. Um, if anything, I was I was trying to assemble a <laughs> list of players to, that DC should maybe be interested in for the summer transfer window. And I noticed that um, you can have none of our players. <laughs> um, well, it kind of gets to, you know, looking for players that are underutilized and Ramon Kyoto has only played 140 minutes this year. Um, I know Memo Rodriguez has done really well on the left side, but why is Kyoto not getting any more time than that? Because Memo has come out and played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's finally really hit his stride. 
I think the team did a great job um, not throwing him in the deep end of the water too soon. Mm. Um, I think that happens sometimes with young players that show a lot of promise. It's similar to what they did with Minotas with, you know, grooming him as a super sub to finally starting. Um, I think with Romel, if Memo hadn't had as hot of a start to the season, he would probably be starting. Um, but he's done so well that they haven't wanted to make that switch. And additionally, when he has come in, you know, the game against Portland on Wednesday, he definitely brought, you know, a fire and a pace that had started to lag in the game, but his shots and his passes just weren't connecting. He wasn't taking his time to see if he was better off passing the ball, you know, to someone who was open, he would just try to take the shot. and. You know, maybe they could have pulled out a win if he had, you know, taken the time to um, pass the ball instead of taking shots that didn't have much chance of going in. Um, obviously, if he got one of those in, I wouldn't be saying that. But um, I think that's kind of hurt him. And maybe that's just some of his desperation to get back into a starting spot on the team. Um, you mentioned uh, Minotas. Obviously, Last year, he had, was one of the best goal scorers in the league. Um, this year, if anything, he has sort of added to his skill set. You know, last year he only had one assist. Mm-hmm. This year, he's already got four. Um, is that is that something that he's sharpening, or is it just more the opportunities have been there for him to connect with mo- mostly with Elise? Since I know that's most of the team's goals have come from Manotas and Elise over and over again. Um, but is is he just being a little more creative, or is it just sort of luck of the draw? Um, I think as a whole, um, Elise Minotas and Memo have all figured out how to play together, um, Mm. which has created those opportunities for them to get more assists as well as goals. Um, you know, Minotas leads the team with six goals, but Elise and Rodriguez are at four goals apiece. So they're not that far behind him, Mm. um, which, and this early in the season is pretty phenomenal to have that many goals um between three players so i think it's really just they're finally starting to find their rhythm better um going into you know having another season playing together and now it is a different energy having memo as their starting you know that third starting player instead of kyoto um this is kind of an abrupt uh subject change but um (laughs) In in the past, uh, you've come on this show and had uh, strange tales of the wildlife uh, in your part of the world. Um, you've moved uh, since since we last spoke. You've moved to a different part of the world that also has uh, new <coughs> wildlife. So, tell me what's going on. Yeah, in the past, it's been bear uh, bear stories. Uh, what's going on with the moose uh, in your neck of the woods? I mean. I like that you make it sound like I actually moved like somewhere totally different. I mean, I you did, moved I moved far distance-wise. I did, but I mean, <laughs> it's the exact same animals that I had in Montana. <laughs> I just went from Montana to Wyoming, so I just love that you make it sound like way more exotic. Like I moved to the desert or something, and <laughs> so no, there's still bears here. I just haven't seen them. They, they um, haven't broken into a school or anything. No, no, there have been a few bear attacks. Um, okay. When I first moved here, I got a lot of old articles that my parents sent me about bear attacks in the area um, and being careful. Going Do the hiking. bears fight the moose or? No, moose are too big for bears. 
Like maybe a baby moose or an injured moose, but not like a full-grown moose. Moose are huge. I don't know if you guys know this, but they're giant. Yeah, they're, so they're I worked like, for a company that was based in Alaska and got to go yeah. up there on a trip. Alaska and moose are even bigger. Yeah, we saw a <laughs> moose run through a field, and it was the most awkward looking oh. thing I've ever seen in my life. They're it's just it's it's a giant weight on top of four very spindly legs that are just <laughs> go on for days. It's it's the strangest looking thing, and the moose was just motoring. Yeah. Um. So as far as moose stories. There was one day I was pulling out of my neighborhood and I live in a subdivision on the edge of town, right? It's not like I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I guess I am, but relatively (laughs) speaking, I'm on the edge of town and I look over at my neighbor's yard. And so there is a horse farm on the edge of our development. Mm. And at first I, and it looked like there were like horses eating out of the tree. And I was like, wait, those are horses. No, there were two moose just hanging out in my neighbor's yard, eating their trees. I was driving my truck because I was like, what is that? Because um, I'm used to seeing, you know, the bears and elk um, and deer, but moose you did not see as much where I lived in Montana. So I excited, took a lot of pictures, went to work, whatever. So the snow. <laughs> Just another I, day on the I, range. Yeah. And now I look for them every time I come in and out of my house, but I haven't seen them again. But the snow this year was like, we had record snowfall. It was, I think, like two inches from being the highest ever recorded in the month of February for this area. So the snow got so high that the deer and elk and moose couldn't get around. So they started moving into town because the sidewalks were clear. So you started seeing when you were driving de- like downtown, there would be moose walking around. And at one point in the local newspaper, there was this article with the um, cops complaining. Like the headline of the article was about the cops were overwhelmed by the number of moose in town because they were getting so many calls of people wanting them to come get the moose out of their yards and out of parking lots that they couldn't keep up with the moose calls. I mean, Apparently, the key here the key here is to engage the moose with pic- productive activities that keep them out of trouble and keep them from, you know, falling into gangs. So there was one day, I guess they like laid down in the drive-thru ATM at the bank. So no one could go through the drive-thru at the bank. And so they called the cops and like, they had to go shoo them out of there. And like moose can be mean. So you have to kind of be careful, like shooing moose away. Um, and then there's a bar in town that they like to hang out in the parking lot of oh, quite a bit. Um, that's usually where I see them the most. What I'm hearing so. is moose and bored teenagers have a lot in common. I mean, what else is there to do? You know, hang around play bars. Soccer. You should you should train them to play soccer. <laughs> Clearly. You know, yeah. I've I've been trying to train the dog to play soccer. It had mixed results. Um, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Let's, let's be fair, the, the the moose of Wyoming have uh settled the town and named it moose. So they've yeah. established that somehow and there I don't I there don't know the means that they have established to other localities that their town is named Moose, even though they themselves cannot speak. <laughs> um, so maybe they don't have time for soccer. They're busy uh, running, running things. Town. I mean, it's a pretty impressive feat for a group of Moose to take over a town and establish that it should be called Moose. 
but it's super great when you go over that direction um you see all these like homemade signs like on poster board where people write caution moose look out for the moose moose crossing like people care about their moose here and they don't do they just refer to anybody from moose as moose even if it's a person i'll i'll ask because like every crosswalk is marked with moose crossing watch for young moose outside the school i don't know i'm trying to you know, I'm trying to get into the minds of these people and or or these moose, and I'm not sure. Just spitballing. Sure, actually, I'll have to check into that and see what they call the people from moose because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably only like 200 people that live there. Um, and how many moose? <laughs> probably a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. The moose is very serious business here. Um. I mean, and there's a lot of uh, deer. I have to be careful of deer when I walk. There is a bar not far from my house that I walk to and from. Um, and we've had to be careful of the deer running across the road, like trying to avoid getting hit by cars. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. You know. So, but the bears this- should be coming out of their, their uh, cave soon. So... I'll keep you posted on the bear so situation. Not only not only do you have to worry about encountering a moose if you try and go to the bank or encountering a random deer on your uh, walk to and from a <laughs> bar, but now bears are coming soon. Bears. Coming soon. Bears. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what happens when you want to live in the wild in a state with less than a million people, you know? I, I guess so. someone, someone has to live there, and it turns out the answer is bears. Bears. The bears <laughs> live there. Yeah. Do the bears I mean, vote? I guess is my question. I mean, if moose can settle a town, why not? They have to get organized yeah. first, though. It takes it takes focus. They're going to start have, a bear union. Yeah, but they've <laughs> got claws. They could just like punch the tickets with their claws. <laughs> but then they switch to electronic voting, and they don't know how to use touch screens. Poor I bears. This would be like a lady with a long fingernails. You got to figure out how to use the pads of your fingers. You can do it, but it's hard. You just need to encourage the bears <laughs> to vote. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just got to teach them. It's fine. Not to turn the conversation back to soccer, but that's exactly what I'm Did going I to do. Did I hear you say back to goats? You did so, not. There are goats out here too. Wild ones. You know what state I understand has more goats? I can't believe I'm saying this. What state has more goats than any other in the union? What state? Texas. Where soccer really? is going to happen. See that. <laughs> I'm trying really hard. <laughs> You're not going to get there, though. Just, all right. It'll so, always come back to goats. So what happens when you're the goat king? You have a very long week. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm broken. <laughs> this week and Alicia have broken me. Um. Man, it's only taken me seven years, but here we are. <laughs> so, hypothetically, if you were running a team of soccer players of any species, and that team was the Houston nope. Dynamo, and you were you were game planning, nope. actually, no, you were playing the Houston Dynamo of wow. any species, and you wanted to beat them at the game of soccer, how would you go about planning to do that? Well... I would put together a team of dogs that just steal the ball. (laughs) And if we got in trouble for that, I would just have them bite them 
and then we'd be done. Well, that'd be a red card. You'd get sent off. Yeah. But if you take out the best player, I mean, <laughs> take out a few key so, players and right. it's worth it. If you were, all right. So if you were a dog biting Houston Dynamo <laughs> players, which ones would you bite? <laughs> which one uh, would you bite first? Wait, no, I got it. It would be a team of goats and they would headbutt them. Ha! I knew I could get it back to goats. <laughs> um, I would probably have them headbutt Elise first for obvious reasons. <laughs> I don't know how fast goats are, though. I don't know if they could catch him. How fast are goats? Not fast. They can climb, but they're not really straight line speed creatures, hmm. is my understanding. Hmm. That could be a problem. So maybe before the game, send in some goats <laughs> to the locker room. <laughs> Just take out some players. It'd be fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> no one would ever know. <laughs> so now you have like stealth goats. Just remember, you guys asked for this. You continue to invite me on here. <laughs> well, I think that's that's probably it for this edition of Alicia's Goat Party at Adam's expense. Um, thank you for imposing this on me. I any anytime. I truly love it. Um, <laughs> tell our listeners where they can find you online. Um, if they um, want to learn your ways of tormenting your friends. Uh, Dynamore TNT is where you can find me sending goat gifts to Adam. It's true. I feel it like happens it. all the time. It also happens in the DMs. That's literally all I respond with. Um, and then, obviously, on Dynamo Theory, I am going to be cutting back on my time at the site. So you won't see my name as a byline as much anymore, but I will still be creeping around. Um, mostly so that I can come back and talk about goats, you know, so <laughs> everyone's yeah. got to have a purpose. My purpose in life is goats. <laughs> <laughs> Find us at black and red united.com. We're on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and red U for the website. <laughs> Patreon.com slash filibuster is where you can support us financially. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Listen, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts and uh, tell a friend about the show, uh, whether it's about the uh, the weirdness of midweek games and shows or, you know, livestock, you know, soccer too, just generally. Um, just spread the word about the show, please. I'd appreciate it. Uh, for For Jason and thanking Alicia, I'm not sure why I'm thanking her, but I am. <laughs> Uh, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. If you could combine a goat and a bear, would you call it uh, a boat or a gort? I call it a gort. There you go. 